0: An 11-year-old won't talk, that's not surprising. If that 11-year-old is anything like me, they definitely won't talk. Over the next few minutes, you're going to get an understanding about why your 11-year-old might not want to talk to you about puberty and sex and all those sort of things. And welcome back to Sitting in a Car. I'm Sarah Sproul and I sit in a car each week answering a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person to respect themselves and the people around them. And it's such a great question this week and very common, actually. This parent is not on their own. The question is, I would like to understand why my 11-year-old daughter just stops all my attempts to talk about sex, bodies and puberty. Such a good question. My answer for the question this week comes from the kindness pyramid inside the evolved family method. And the kindness pyramid focuses on how do we manage our own feelings or awkwardness around these sorts of conversations? Um, how do we manage the feelings for our children? And so that sounds perfect, right? Let's get into it. Now, what most adults do who are raising kids who have um, a child 10, 11, 12, all around that age group most of us will have heard that we are meant to wait until our child is a bit older to have conversations to with puberty and sex and all those things because it's dangerous or damaging maybe or sexualizing to have conversations with children when they're younger. And that would be fairly standard and I'm not surprised if that's what you've been running on that information because that's what the world tells us to do Um, and I call parents who have that belief a courageous but tongue-tied parent they are courageous and they want to do the absolute best for their child but um, maybe they're not exactly sure what to say when it comes to that point or even in the case of this question their child is not having a bar of any conversation to do with topics like body sex puberty consent all those sort of things (sighs) sort of exhausting when you think about it. We've made all that effort and we're getting ready and we're gonna have the conversation and then our kid is like, no! So let's get into the three steps that um, will help us have more understanding about why our child responds like that and what we can do about it. The first point to make that is gonna help us move from being courageous and tongue-tied over to building our evolved communicating family, which is connected and um, supportive, is to understand this idea of the squick factor. Now, that's not a technical term. It's the way I describe this developmental thing that happens in growing kids that they are usually quite open about things to do with bodies and they've got their scientist mind and they're super excited. And why does your penis look like that? And what's going on with my genitals? And and show me yours, I'll show you mine. It's all that scientist mindset. Right. And then they get to a point, sometimes around eight, seven, eight, maybe nine, where all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I do not want to talk about anything to do with that with you. Thank you very much. It's this quick factor. And it just means that as parents, we are having to work way harder way harder to um, have ongoing conversations because most of us know, right, that to continually layer on the information and the support and the skill building, um, that layering is super important to give our kids the skills and the abilities to um, create healthy, respectful, happy, wonderful, exciting relationships as they grow up into adulthood. So the quick factor is One of the main reasons why a tween or a teen will just go, give it a break. I do not want to talk about that. Thank you very much. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything wrong. A lot of kids go through that. Point number two, it may be, and I don't know for sure in this family, but it may be that um, the habits of talking about sensitive stuff related to bodies has not been... Built in families. And again, that's not our fault. We're working on the best information we have at the time. And a lot of information that we come across is still the old way of doing things, which is that we sit down and we have a talk with a child as they're getting a little bit older. But the way we create habits about anything else in our families and in our parenting, and as we raise children, is to be going over and over and over and over it again. One of the examples I use a lot is how do we teach our kids table manners? Well, we don't sit down one day and say, this is a spoon, this is a fork. You don't use your hands, you use these things and you stay sitting at the table. Well, maybe that worked in your family, but it didn't absolutely did not work in mine. In my family, it was a matter of, Sit up to the table, sit up to the table, sit up to the table. Don't throw your peas at your sister. Sit up to the table, sit up to the table. Please use your spoon. Please use your fork. We don't eat soup with our hands over and over and over again. And what happens over that period of time? Slowly table manners are socialized and established as the thing we do in our family. It is the same thing with conversations about bodies and all sorts of weird and wacky things that we do it on and on and over and over and over and over and over over again. Over and over and over again. Now you might not know this and that's okay, but Now it makes sense, right? You can see it's like, oh yeah, if this is important, of course it makes sense that I would have to be doing this a lot. And sometimes again, for whatever reason, we didn't realize that. And so we are left with our 11 and 12 year old who hasn't got into the habit of talking about bodies or even listening to us talk about bodies. And, um, you know, it's one of the things as in parenting where we have to, or we can choose to be kind to ourselves about, learning the things that we didn't know beforehand. And um, you're not a bad parent, you're not broken and it's going to be okay, but it is hard, isn't it? When we want something and it's got, we know it's going to help our child and our child is just not open to it whatsoever. That's hard. Point number three, our child might need us to communicate in a different way as they get older. Well, they definitely do, um, for every other part of communication, So why would it not be the same for conversations about sensitive things? So let's use an example of how communication changes. So I remember when my kids were small, if they wanted something and I said, no, oftentimes there would be a bit of a tantrum. I want the orange. I want the orange. I want the orange. No, you can't have the orange. I want it. I want it. Right? So I had to learn, how do I say no in other ways? I would say things like, um, you know what? It's apple or banana time now. So that was a no, you can't have an orange, probably because I didn't have an orange. But instead of saying, no, there's no oranges, I could say, we've got apples or bananas. And then if they still want the orange, I come up with these oblique ways of communicating. And then maybe as they get older, when they're in school and they um, are more able to listen to what no sounds like, I could say, we don't have any oranges. Well, we put it on the shopping list and be more sort of Uh, direct about it. Interestingly, conversation about sensitive things um, is topsy-turvy. So where your toddler might have needed needed an indirect no when they were smaller, um, they can get really direct information about sensitive stuff when they're small and then when the squick factor hits it becomes more indirect. So it's like this topsy-turvy communication switch that we have to do. So what does indirect communication look like? Um, We talk about this in the, one of the other pyramids, I can't remember which one it is. The, the 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 courage pyramid. Goodness, my model is in my head. I really need to get it out on paper. But the, the courage pyramid is about well, how do we show up? What words do we say? What other communication strategies can we use if um, if a direct conversation is not helpful for our child anymore? And what I love about this question that this parent asked this week is how that she's really wanting to know like, why is this the case? What is going on? She's not saying my kid is driving me bananas and how can I get them to listen? No, the question is why? Why is this happening? I need help. Okay, so you've just learned three different reasons why Um, your child might have what's called the squick factor and is having trouble listening to you talk about things to do with sex, bodies, and puberty. And all those things you've learned come from the kindness pillar inside the Evolve Family Method. If you have an interest in learning the whole method, the three pillars, uh, head over to sarahsprayle.com forward slash Evolve. You can put your name down in the little boxes. I will do the rest of the work and let you know when the Evolve School opens. sitting in a car for another week where I've answered a question to help you raise your confident and caring young person who respects themselves and the people around them. Bye for now.